Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC. Pillar and Ground is a podcast for the LMPC family so that we may deepen in our knowledge of the ground on which we stand and increase our connection with whom we stand together in community and mission. Pillar and Ground features three different types of episodes. Pillar and Ground, our confession of faith. Pillar and Ground, our connections. Pillar and Ground, our questions. This episode is a Pillar and Ground Confession of Faith episode where we seek to further understand and apply the truths in our Confession of Faith. We have been looking at Chapter 1 of the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Doctrine of Scripture, and the Confession starts with how we know God, which is through Revelation, before it gets into what we know to be true of God. And so this episode focuses on particular doctrines of Scripture, uh, two main doctrines. One's called the clarity of Scripture and the other the sufficiency of Scripture. But I want to point out really six areas in these two uh, sections, Westminster Confession of Faith 1.6 and 1.7. But our focus will be a lot on clarity and sufficiency. So first, uh, the confession begins in 1.6 with these words, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory and man's salvation, faith, and life. Now, it's going to explain to you how that whole counsel comes to us, but I want to stop for a second on that word, the whole counsel of God. Uh, The whole counsel of God is all of Scripture. And all of Scripture points to us things necessary for His glory, man's salvation, faith, and life. And that phrase, the whole counsel of God, actually uh, frames and shapes how we think about preaching here at LMPC. Uh, When we preach, we desire to preach through books, mostly, uh, so that we can preach what's next. What's next in the book? Not the parts we like, not what we're comfortable with, not what we just want the people in the pew to hear, but to preach the whole counsel of God, book by book. And in preaching through a book, you preach what comes next, and you believe, and the reason we do that is this doctrine that we think the whole counsel of God, all of Scripture, is pointing us to things necessary for His own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life. So a lot of times you may hear the reading of God's Word and go, what is this about? And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in the preaching of God's Word, and He shows us in the text things necessary for His own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life in every page and in every part. And so that phrase shapes the preaching here at LMPC. It's called uh, expository preaching, exegetical Uh, preaching and outlines, and uh, it comes out of our belief and understanding in the authority of Scripture as the whole counsel of God. But second, the the big topic here is clarity, the clarity of Scripture. Um, It goes into uh, 1.6 where it says that the whole counsel is either expressly stated in Scripture or by good and necessary inference may be deduced from Scripture unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the Spirit or by traditions of man. Nevertheless, we acknowledge that the inward illumination of the Spirit of God is necessary, 
for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word. We acknowledge there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and the government of the church, circumstances common to human activities and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence according to the general rules of God, which are always to be observed. We'll break that down more in a minute. Things that are expressly set down or by good and necessary uh, inference deduced, or their circumstances that call for the light of nature, Christian prudence. We'll talk about that in a minute. But number seven says this, not all things in Scripture are equally plain in themselves or equally clear to all. You may hear that and say, I thought we were talking about the clarity of Scripture. The Westminster Confession just said, not all things are equally plain or clear to all. That's right. What the clarity of Scripture does not mean, it does not mean that everything in the Bible is perfectly clear and perfectly easy to understand. Matter of fact, Peter says as much about Paul in 2 Peter 3, 15-16. He says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. That's a true statement if you've ever read Paul. Peter says the clarity of Scripture does not mean that Scripture's easy to understand. He's noting that there's some things that are hard. And quite frankly, I think some of us don't read the Bible because it's hard work. R.C. Sproul agrees in the truths we confess when he says, Here then is the problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study the Word of God, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it's work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. He says our problem is that we're lazy. I think he's right if we're honest. Reading the Bible is hard. The clarity of Scripture and its doctrine doesn't mean reading the Bible is easy, but here's what it does mean as the confession goes on in section 7. So not all things in Scripture are equally plain in themselves or equally clear to all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly stated and explained in one place or another in Scripture that not only the educated, but also the uneducated may gain a sufficient understanding of them by a proper use of the ordinary means. That's good news. The basic message of salvation is sufficiently clear in the Bible so that anyone can understand it, either by reading it himself, him or herself, or by using ordinary means of grace. Psalm 119.130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so, what the clarity of Scripture stands against is this thing called clericalism, an utter dependence on the priest, the educated, the authority of the church. And what Westminster Confession says, no, this can be understood by the educated and the uneducated. By all, what is needed for salvation is clear in Scripture for all. The major doctrines are clear. Everybody can understand them with the right use of means of grace and the Holy Spirit. You don't need to go to 
an educated elite religious professional to ask what these basic things of salvation mean. The Bible's written in plain language. The commands are not hard to understand. They're hard to keep. They're not hard to understand. Lack of clarity must never be an excuse for disobedience or unbelief. I mean, consider when it mentions in 1.6, these things are expressly stated in Scripture. Here's some examples of things expressly stated. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's clear. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. That's clear. Romans 8.30 Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. That's pretty clear. John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So, it's either expressly set down or it says, by good and necessary consequence, the confession goes on to say, by good and necessary inference may be deduced from Scripture. So, by good and necessary Consequence, you can deduce things from Scripture that maybe aren't expressly set down. Thoughtful and careful deductions of wisdom by the Holy Spirit. It is giving the whole counsel of God in the teaching of Scripture. There's some things that are taught explicitly, but also it teaches us implicitly. It can be learned by clear and necessary Deduction. So when the law prohibits something explicitly, it implicitly, by good wisdom, commands the opposite. And the confession of faith in the larger catechism understands that when it goes into the Ten Commandments, which is worth reading regularly as a believer because that is the ethics of the Christian life. So it's why they phrase these things when it says, uh, like Westminster Larger Catechism, what are the sins forbidden? What are the, what is required? And so, yes, the commandment says, the sixth commandment, uh, thou shalt not murder. It says, what is the sixth commandment? Thou shalt not kill. And then by good and necessary consequence, through wisdom and the Holy Spirit, it asks this question, what are the duties required in the sixth commandment? Well, the command's rather clear, expressly set down, but by good necessary consequence, the larger catechism says, the duties required in the Sixth Commandment are all careful studies and lawful endeavors to preserve the life of ourselves and others. And watch how thorough it goes. By resisting all thoughts and purposes, subduing all passions, avoiding all occasions, temptations, and practices which tend to the unjust taking away the life of any. By just defense thereof, against violence, patient bearing of the hand of God, quietness of mind, cheerfulness of spirit, a sober use of meat, drink, sleep, labor, and recreations. By charitable thoughts, love, compassion, meekness, gentleness, kindness, peaceable, mild, and courteous speeches and behavior. Oh, are speeches involved in the keeping of this command? It goes on and on. But then by good and necessary inference, it says, 
thou shalt not kill. What sins are forbidden in the sixth commandment? So what's required and what's forbidden? That's the use of good and necessary consequence or inference. So we want to heed what is expressly set down. And we want to commit ourselves to deducing with wisdom in the Spirit the implications of all of Scripture. Also, after we understand clarity of Scripture, there is the right of private interpretation and the need for sound hermeneutics. I, I mentioned that earlier. The priesthood of all believers was a key doctrine of the Reformation. And here in 1.7, it's very clear that the educated and the uneducated may gain a sufficient understanding of them by a proper use of the ordinary means. In other words, scriptural interpretation does not belong to the teaching office alone. For much of church history, the Bible, as one has said, was literally chained to the church lectern and only the priests were allowed to read it. Well, that violates the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture based on Westminster Confession 1.7. Now, here's the danger of the Bible going into the hands of all. You have to have sound hermeneutical principles in place to read the Bible and understand and apply it properly. And so, there's a lot of misunderstanding, misinterpretation of the Scripture when it goes into the hands of all. But that's right, that it should be in the hands of all. But a few basic hermeneutical principles to consider, just briefly. What is implicit in the Bible is always interpreted by what is explicitly stated. That's one principle. Another principle, Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. There's also the real estate principle, I call it. Location, location, location. Where are you reading? Example, proverbs are not promises. They're principles. You can do a lot of damage if you make them promises. Location, location, location. What is obscure in the Bible must be interpreted in light of what is plain. These are basic hermeneutical principles that when we receive the Bible, we must commit to. But there's also the one who makes things clear to us. In 1.6, the confession says this, Nevertheless, we acknowledge that the inward illumination of the Spirit of God is necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word of God. We cannot have that which is clear convict us in our hearts and come to salvation without the illumination of the Spirit of God. There is a difference between inspiration and illumination. Inspiration is what God-breathed texts have come through, and that is over, that is closed, but that doesn't deny the current activity of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-11 
In John 14 through 16, Jesus would talk about how the Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts to what was righteous and sin and judgment. And so when you see the clarity of Scripture, the confession's careful to say, yes, it's clear, but you're absolutely dependent on the illumination of the Holy Spirit to make you alive, even to what's clear. It also speaks to the sufficiency of Scripture, which we covered in an earlier podcast, when it says, nevertheless, it talks of the Holy Spirit, and it basically is saying that it is sufficiently clear for the matters of salvation. That doesn't mean it's sufficiently clear on everything. And that's why it says, we also acknowledge there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and the government of the church circumstances common to human activities and societies which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence according to the general rules of the word which are always to be obeyed. What does this mean? What are these circumstances? Well, when I open the Bible, it doesn't tell me what time our worship services should start. So we have to use a measure of Christian prudence and wisdom and also according to the general rules of the word. I think it would be very unloving to have a worship service at 4 a.m. The Bible doesn't explicitly tell me that, but understanding what it means to love one another and love my neighbor means that would be an unwise choice. And so we set it at reasonable times where people can come and be here. There's other things. How long do we worship? Well, there's different viewpoints on that. The Bible doesn't say it has to be an hour. Presbyterians do, but the Bible doesn't. And so we have to determine these things with wisdom in our own community context and according to the rules of the Word of God. There's a lot of things that we still, uh, the Bible doesn't explicitly say. Even, I would dare say, in the New Testament, the Bible is not nearly as clear on tithing as we make it, be, make it sound. 10%, 10%. No, actually the New Testament leaves it open to the cheerfulness of your heart with Jesus' sacrifice in mind, which would mean all. And so I have to discern that before God and give as a cheerful giver. So the things that are clear are necessary for salvation. And they are clear. And the educated and uneducated can deduce those and receive those with the power of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean Scripture is easy. Reading Scripture is hard work, and we need the Holy Spirit, and we need sound principles of hermeneutics as we do it, and as we address and decide things that, that aren't expressly set down in the Scripture, we have to make decisions. We need to do that with dependence on the Holy Spirit, wisdom, and the rules of the Word of God. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Pillar and Ground.